When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Bonner looking to get close side of Bonner. Le Bonner away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello and welcome to the Empire Rolls review of the season. Well, it has been, I don't know, how do I sum this? Tumultuous season, hasn't it? 150th anniversary. 25 defeats out of a possible 46 games. 87 goals conceded, but we stayed up. That is all that matters. And I have been joined by two Reading fans. One of them was an ex-player. And his name is Simon Cox. Hi, Simon. How you doing? Hey, Paul. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, it's been a weird one, hasn't it, Simon? <laughs> I think you've, you've put that pretty lightly. Um, yeah, listen, it probably wasn't the 150th anniversary that most Reading fans dreamed of. Um, but the end goal was to stay in the division. And that was achieved, which is a bonus. And now it's a, a big rebuild. A massive rebuild. And I've also been joined by Matt Lansley. How are you doing, Matt? Oh, all good. All good. Yeah, the season's <laughs> over. To be to be honest, though, you say it's been a tumultuous season. We've had some of the worst games we've probably seen as Reading fans, but there has been some absolute crackers in there as well, which I'm sure we'll touch upon. So it's not going to be all doom and gloom. There has been some crackers. Most of them right towards the end, though, weren't they, Matt, to be honest? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, I think we just need to skate over January, February and, yeah, everything that came before. Yeah, August wasn't great as well. But, yeah, uh, apart yeah. from that, it's all absolutely fantastic. So, Simon, going into a season, you must always be thinking about, you know, how the season's going to go. And we were talking about this before we started recording, about all players must be feeling, you know, we've always got a chance, despite all the odds against you. But as Reading went into last season as it is now, they must have known really it was going to be a difficult one with Panovic in charge at that point. Yeah, but I think when you look at it, when you sort of sit down a pre-season and you've got the the likes of Liam Moore in your team at the start, you've got um, Lucas Yao, you've got John Swift in your team. I think you sort of look at that and think that's not a bad spine now. Um, and if they can stay fit and and you know, score at one end and and obviously Swift score and assist and Liam Moore help with uh, with keeping clean sheets. And all of a sudden you sort of be a little bit optimistic, but it wasn't the sort of season as it as it we all sort of dreamed of. But um, I think, at, you know, at the start of the season, it was quite optimistic, just purely and simply on when you look around the dressing room, you sort of thought, yeah, do you know what? I, I fancy the lads to do all right this season, you know, whether they would have gone on to do playoff push or anything else like that. But it, it, I didn't envisage the, uh, 
the way it turned out. I know that. No, it just dipped off dramatically as we get into uh, a little bit later on. But Matt, we start the season with a 3-2 defeat at Stoke City. Don't worry if you're listening to this. We're not going to go through game by game because that would be horrendous. I don't want to put anyone through that. Just to like pinpoint the start of the season. It was quite a, it was a decent match, wasn't it? I know we lost. That seems to always happen at Stoke City, but you were there. Yeah, and I mean, it was first first game back for fans as well. Um, I remember going back, and I was I was buzzing. I was a little bit apprehensive because obviously um, I'd been affected a bit by by COVID over over the two years, you know. Um, but I was I was apprehensive. You know, you were looking at it, and you were thinking like, the, well, return to normality, you know, and that normality of going and uh, seeing Reading lose on a weekend. But <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it, it was it was just it was it was so nice, and it was a belter of a game you know and I think you always thought Stoke was always going to be a hard game to kick off the season you know Stoke away never do well there like you say I kind of I can't even remember the last time we beat them to be fair they're seemingly a big bogey team with Reading but yeah cracking game just didn't come out on the right side of it and I think the the defense really set the scene for the season didn't they that game conceding three Yes, uh, yeah, totally. I mean, John Swift had a brilliant game in that the first game, though, didn't yeah. he? And that really like showed what he was yeah. going to do this season because there's no doubt in his ability ever, is there, um, Simon? I mean, he's one of the best midfielders in the championship. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, he's had a really good season. Loads of goals, loads of assists, chances created. You know, most influential player, I think, pretty much in the championship in terms of assists and, and chances created. So... You know, that says a lot about how, how good a season he was having, especially it's probably highlighted in a team that was, was struggling. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he kicked off with a really good performance against Stoke was, you know, probably set his standards up for the season. Yeah, he's almost taken on the leader's role, which wasn't necessarily something that I'd associate with John Swift, but his performance was to actually pushing the team along. Yeah, I think more so it was... I don't sort. I don't know him at all, but um, I wouldn't sort of envisage him being a shouter and a baller at people. I would see him more leading through performance levels and dragging the team up the pitch, ball carrying, creating chances, assists, that sort of thing, scoring goals. So um, that's more of what I would sort of have, have called how he is a leader, really. Yeah, totally. We do go on to get our first win of the season against Preston quite early on, a 2-1 win. That was a relief, wasn't it, Matt? Because if you go on too long throughout the season and you don't pick up a win, I mean, that's going to be hellish, isn't it? It was. And even though it was exciting the start of the season, we started obviously as well. We we, we knew the squad situation as well. We knew kind of the, the, the embargo that we were still under. You know, we didn't know if we'd be able to sign anyone, you know, in the summer, you know, um, and to, to, to bounce back from the Stoke with a win against Preston, it was almost, well, you talk about crucial wins in a season. I guess it didn't turn out to be that crucial in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, you, you never want to, as I, I guess Simon also knows, you know, you, you never want to go long in a season without a win. You need to get that first first step, you know, because then you can start building. You can look at look at the games in front of you then. And um, But, yeah, it's a big win. Just But, yeah, we... We could see the problems that were amounting, though, at that stage because the squad just was so thin at that point. Yeah, you, very, you, don't, you don't want to go. You don't want to go too far into the season without winning a game of football. That's the because then you start. If you if it takes you a long time, all of a sudden your belief starts running, like leaving your squad and and start wondering how and when are we going to win a game of football. But 
after two games, one win, one one defeat, not the worst start in the world. No, it's not a disaster. We lose a few more in August. Uh, it wasn't a great one, but we do have the transfer window shutting at that point at the end of August. We're bringing some players, which kind of the players that we've brought in over the last few years. We bring in a Danny Drinkwater. We bring in Baba Roman. Two of those players definitely were key in us uh, staying up, I would say, Matt. Um, definitely Baba Roman. Um, Danny Drinkwater, let's be fair, has split opinions. Uh, let's not um, uh, dice around on that one. Yeah, he, he's, he's split opinions. I mean, he showed us right at the start what he was capable of, you know, the, mm. the Fulham game. But then yeah, just the inconsistencies, you know, fr from him, I guess, you know, we, we'd all been warned by Villa fans and Burnley fans what he was like kind of off the pitch. More Villa fans are kind of what he was like on the pitch because they saw more than someone like Burnley. But yeah, you know, we're... At, at the time, I remember looking at it and kind of just thinking, though, when he signed, because we were still under... Well, we were under. Well, it wasn't embargo, was it? We just could only spend eight, eight and a half k on wages. Yes, yes. That but was you, it, yeah. you look at the two that you got because that was again very late in the window. It was after the Huddersfield game because again the Huddersfield game we lost four 0 and you think, uh, how how are we going to start winning games from this? Because we won, I think three. We'd lost three on the bounce or something, you know, and no players in. Paunovic was, you know, asking questions and coming out with obviously some weird statements in the media, and you're just thinking where are we going to sign people from? But then you get, you get people like Drinkwater Rahman. You think, can we do much better than that on eight and a half grand a week? You know? So I'd say it, it, it gave me a boost at the time. Scott Dan was a good signing though. Yeah. It was, yes, it was a good signing. Good. Uh, one of those sort of shrewd signings that probably no one saw coming, but needed a experienced head at, at centre half to try and, pull people around and, and make the defence a little bit more solid if, if he possibly could. And I, I thought that was a really good signing. Yeah, totally. And he's going to be here next year. So hopefully that will be good for us because he's been a little bit injury prone, but I think his leadership, we will need massively next season. We also bought in uh, Tom Deli Bashiru, who towards the end of the season, he was really being played out of position. So he, he wasn't giving his full potential. He found it really hard. But when he was playing, actually, as an attacking midfielder, Matt, I, I thought he was actually he was pretty decent. You know, I thought he was a good loan signing. I think everyone, I think when he came in from Watford, obviously he had all the Watford fans raving about him. We saw, again, it was a bit of a weird signing because I think he hadn't played for a year because he did his ACL. I think it was his ACL and he actually did it at Reading the previous season in his debut, I think, for Watford. It was it was a, it was a strange turn of events, very strange turn of events. But but yeah, like they were, they were saying about how he was obviously in the under-23s before that. And we saw that early in the season, didn't we? You know, so some of his performances and that when he was, like say, playing in a more advanced position. I know he then kind of did a bit out more out on the wing when he'd come on later in the season but you can see you can see there's a player in there he's not a holding midfielder he gets bullied you know when he when when he's been you know had to play alongside drink water or lauren whoever he was playing deep but you know again it was it, it was it was another kind of sign which you looked at and you thought you know we, we, we're getting some quality and to be honest could we have done much better with the restrictions we had early in the season that's you know some people might say, well, yeah, we could have, because, you know, ultimately we finished 21st. But you look at the transfer window and you, with the restrictions, you'd probably say it was a relatively good window, I'd be hesitant to say. Yeah, uh, not too bad. If you look at September, though, how it kind of like starts, we had the draw against QPR, 3-0. 
We then beat Peterborough. We then went to Fulham and we won. We then went, got a win against Middlesbrough. That was such a massive run for us picking up those points, Simon, because if we didn't have them, we would have been in huge, huge trouble. <laughs> yeah, listen, I think the obviously the Fulham game sticks out because they go on to be champions, but mm. Redden have always done okay at Fulham. It's a bit of a mad one that you, you tend to go there, take a really big following. It's only up the M4, so it's nice. Um, but you can't go to places like Derby and, and and get beat as well. So that's a big issue. Um, but you take, what was it? The, the Middlesbrough game, the the uh, the Fulham game, the Peterborough game, and then the draw at QPR as well. You take those points into, into an accumulation of the season and then it, it ends up being a really big, big September. Yeah, totally. And what I take out of that is Ovi Ajara's performance against Fulham. Those two goals were just absolutely... <laughs> But I think it just yeah, it just shows, for it. They were so good. <laughs> yeah, it, just, it just shows though that's the sort of level that he can get to, you know. And barring injuries and a little bit of uh, loss of form and everything else, you sort of look at again going back to the start of the season. You're looking at people like him, and you're thinking, obviously lost Michael Elise to go to Palace and everything else. And you think, right? Can you then step into his shoes and be that that focal point with John Swift, who are going to then create things for us? be the people that take us up the pitch, be the people who can get people excited about coming to watch the games. And uh, like I say, barring injuries and um, loss of form and stuff, he never really lived up to that expectation after after that game. Yeah, he never did, did he, Matt? I, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure what it is about, Ovi. I mean, I'm. it's a well-known fact that I'm a massive fan of his... Um, Whatever, I, it's just, every fan has a blind spot for one player, <laughs> and he's he's that player for me. But I still swear there's something in there in that they can come out. And if you play him maybe as a ten, I think there's more potential. But I'm sure there'll be lots of people listening to this thinking, Paul, just let it go. Let it go. <laughs> yeah, no, well, like like I say, everyone everyone has that, don't they? You know, I think we, we've all had our favourites in the past. You know, I think, you know, we well won't go into him, but Puskas was mine early doors. You know, I was on here defending him quite a lot on here, and you know the effort and what have you. I'm disappointed but, by him. Yeah, really? I think I think everyone. Mm, I, I I think everyone's been disappointed by him. You know, with the money he came in from, yeah, know, and the hype around him, he's just never hit the ground well he had an okay first season didn't he but it was just he ne- it never never followed on you know and again just, the first half of no no yeah i just i just think that like he went off and and he went to his other spot i can't remember where he went somewhere in italy was it somewhere yeah, he's now. yeah um and he's gone and scored loads of i think he just got player of the month for them so like the fact mm. that there is a player in there i just sort of thought well how uh, i i understand that some players they fit it at certain clubs and some don't, which is, you know, acceptable. But, yeah, I was quite disappointed with him. I thought he came with a big reputation and I thought that this would be a really good sort of place for him to play his football and it just didn't work out for him. Yeah, I do wonder, because there was a situation when he wasn't allowed to go to the Olympics uh, in Romania. Well, and I do, I mean, I've no inside information on this at all. Toys out I the just wonder what dynamic was going on there. After that, because he'll never get that chance again, probably. No, no. Um, and I think it's probably the th- the fact that like was he like Reading's main source of goals at that at that time as well. So if you could well be an already fit striker, so it was a major issue there. But then he didn't yeah. play because then we got 
it's very complicated but yes yeah, the football so. politics Simon <laughs> it's, I know that I know them all, all too well <laughs> it is very very complex but I just think that at some point hopefully next season we'll see Ovi Ajaria if he's still here who knows we all know Maybe there's a player gone. there nothing is impossible in the world of football is it Matt what do you think do you think he'll still be here or gone I I think I think most players that are still in contract will probably still be here because I think let's be honest I don't think we can really well with the amount of players that are out of contract I had the discussion with Alex on the way back from Luton at the weekend because you look at you know you've got 10 odd players or including a cat well no I think it is, is it 11 including academy players that are still in contract you know if you start losing some of some of those players that are still in contract you're needing to replace them with 14 15 players just to make up your squad and you think like how much are Reading actually going to be able to do in rebuilding on that side I know it might only be a player or two that you look to sell but I think I think it'll be here I, I think it'll be here next year you know we all know there's a player in there though you know we've all seen what he can do he needs the consistency you know I guess that's probably what because everyone was comparing him to Eze not too long ago weren't they you know saying and it, oh, it's this great battle between Ovi and Eze who's going to be better they're very similar players and all that all that Malake, but you know, I think was... we have a player who was better than him, but he's now with him at Palace. Oh, <laughs> oh of course, yeah, at least yeah. he's uh, undoubtedly on another level. I feel, yeah, he's just um, uh, what are your thoughts on Michael at least? I mean, you've probably watched him on Sky and stuff, and uh, top, yeah, top, top talent. Um, I think he'll outgrow Palace very, very quickly. Uh, in, in all honesty, I think, uh, well, I think that I think Arsenal were in for him as well, so that wouldn't be a bad move. Um, I think, yeah, listen, I think he's a top, top talent. I think he's going to go on to do some really good things. Yeah, I can't see anything else from that. He seems to have, not only does he have the ability, he has the drive, which I think is a huge factor, isn't it? Because you yeah. can have players who don't have the ability, but they don't quite maximise it. But he just wants to get bigger and bigger. And well, I think that- I think he got I think he got a bit of a wake-up call from Patrick Vieira when he first went into Palace as well. Uh, I think he, he basically turned around to him and said, like, it's not all about you, it's about the team. Um, and you have to do the work as well as be the flair player and be the the quality that we've we brought you in. Um, and then I think when he sort of realised that you either listen to him or you get out, um, and he then went on and, and done some really really good things. So um, yeah, listen, he's a like I say, he's a top talent. So he's uh, he's going to go on to to do some really good things. If you're not listening to Patrick Vieira, there's something wrong there, isn't there? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. The bloke knows what he's talking about, to be fair, doesn't he? <laughs> you know? So we go into October. We start there with another two huge wins. Um, Cardiff City, which also saw the goal from Junior Hoyler. I think he was a good signing for us as well, Simon. He's a very experienced player with maybe a point to prove because he'd been in Cardiff for quite a while. You know, these players want to prove that they're still good enough at that level. Yeah, absolutely. I think another experienced head as well because as we sort of saw that the, the team was actually getting a little bit younger. So bringing in some experience was, was going to help um, somebody who's done it at the at championship level, Premier League levels as well, won the championship as well. I think he won it with QPR. Um, so actually was a pretty shrewd signing. There was all, there's always questions I think around junior Hoylet where can he, can he do it enough for for a certain period of time, for a sustained period of time, but actually showed that in a lot of games there were the times he did turn up, he was actually a pretty decent signing. What do you think, Matt? 
Yeah, no, again, for the for the money we were able to get him on, in on, again, like the proven quality that's there. You know, I guess it, he, he did have quiet spells, you know, in the team and difficult spells in the team, but everyone did this season, you know. And I, again, if, if there was a few players you're looking to sign next year, if you're looking to re-sign, you know, four or five players next year, you're probably thinking about potentially him as well because again he's a natural winger which at Reading we've been starved of for so long you know really I think the, the only one before that was Mo Barrow really the last it depends if you count Mate as a as a winger as well but you know the only real out and out winger before him was was um uh Barrow so That's yeah you know now, isn't it yeah it seems an eternity <laughs> it seems an absolute yes. eternity <laughs> He was quick. Uh, now coming up to one of the key matches, I think, of the season. Blackpool at home. We're winning 2-0 at home. We then managed to lose, convincingly, 3-2. And all the way through the game, I was thinking, I don't know how we ever managed to get to 2-0 up here. Because Blackpool were magnificent that night, Matt. I mean, uh, I, for me, that kind of sucked a lot of energy out of the team. It did. And to be fair, when we were 2-0 up, I think we are in the playoffs at that time. I think after the Cardiff game, I went, well, we talked about bonkers games of the season. That Cardiff game was probably one of the most bonkers games I think any Reading fan seen. One, pretty much one shot all game to Cardiff's 27. You know, we were sitting seventh at that point going into Blackpool. And you think, we're in the playoffs now, beating Blackpool. You know, Blackpool, they'd have a, had a relatively decent start. People were talking about them being dark horses. You know, they faded towards the end of the season. But how it capitulated then just wrote the story for the rest of the season, holding on to leads, throwing them away or getting a lead, throwing them away, you know, and in quite incredible fashion. I mean, we, we like I say, we were properly beaten because I think again, in that game, we only had about three or four, four shots in the entire game. And, you know, we scored from two of them. I think Delhi Bashiru got another one, didn't he that night? I think yes. did he get two. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't quite remember, but I, yeah, you know, it, it 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 was it was almost very similar to to Cardiff, apart from the fact that you know Cardiff never got their goal, and Blackpool were able to get three that night, you know, in that second half, and it it just put it it just put almost just like a taste in your mouth because you'd already seen Coventry away threw away a lead and threw away three put well one point in the ninety seventh minute, QPR at home three one up thrown away a lead and you've done it again against Blackpool at home and you're starting to think we're two months into the season and we're seeing a theme here. Totally. Totally. We then proceed to lose another three games on the trot and the pressure is building on Panovic now. We're starting to drop off. We're seeing bad habits that kind of we saw in the previous season despite finishing seventh. We consistently sat back against teams, Simon. I don't know if you've played in teams like that where they take the lead, they just want to hold on. The season before, we had players like Elise, Omar Richards, who've obviously gone on to much better things, that got us out of those games. But we didn't have those, and we were paying the price every single week. It felt like, as a fan, how's it like playing in a team like that just wants to sit back quite a lot? Well, I think if you've got something to hold on to, then it's not not too bad. Um, But... As Matt was saying, though, you've there were games where Reading had taken the lead and sat back and and weren't able to hold on to to the results. But what you tend to find is if you're only having two or three shots in games and you're scoring one or two goals, which is great from a from a perspective as a football club, but actually you need to know that the back door is shut as well. And when you when when your defence is leaking goals. 
three goals. I mean, it was a 83rd minute pen against um, uh, Blackpool. So it was one of those where you're looking at it going, what, why are we, why do we keep getting deeper and deeper into games and somehow we keep conceding goals? Then it starts to be an internal thing. People start to think about, you know, are the lads fit enough? Are they concentrating enough? Are we working too hard in training? Are the lads too tired? It, there's a, that I would imagine there would have been a big inquest in terms of the staff and and how they would have gone about trying to fix that. Yeah, it's I don't know. I mean, for me, I could see the beginning of the end coming quite early on. I was hoping it'd turn it round because you don't want another new manager at Reading. So I mean, we've had so many in the last few years. It's just a continuous kind of like rotation of who's it going to be for this six months. Yeah, keep changing managers and it, it starts to become a little bit of a theme. Um, listen, nobody wants to lose their job. Absolutely nobody wants to do that. But the game that we're in, in terms of football, it's a it's a results, results-based business. And if you're, if you can see, as you put it, um, the nearing of the end, it becomes very, very hard to, to stay in your job, um, especially when you've probably got supporters not being too kind to the manager as well. And that then all of a sudden accelerates the process probably and and the owners then start to look at who can we possibly get in and and what you normally sort of find when you replace a manager, you normally get that little bit of a bounce, um, whether that just be in performance level, whether that be results as well. Um because it's a new voice, it's a different voice, it's different tactics and all of that sort of stuff. And but because he lost his job, and you, it then uh, it then looks like it's a, a bit of a farcical situation to continue at Reading with the the likes of keep changing the manager. Yes, one little bit of fun that we did have during the season. I don't know if you describe it as fun or not. Was the signing of Andy Carroll because <laughs> like just such a random situation to have him at Reading and we had the I'm gonna I wouldn't say a great win. It felt like a great win because we never beat Swansea. Just beating Swansea was just so nice. On its own it means nothing. But going there and winning Matt three two, we had the celebration of rowing in the boat. All these things you just need, I think, as a fan. Yeah. I enjoyed it anyway. I think any any Reading fan enjoy or hates the prospect of facing Swansea because again like you say they're a team that we just never beat and we always find some incredible way to lose um to them um like ironically the obviously the Birmingham game just before was the one away game I saw away this season that we won and then I I, I was going to go to Swansea but then I start I had my I had an onset of glandular fever then so I couldn't go to Swansea you saw Jamari it. Clark score his two goals, though. I did. I did see Jamari Clark score his two goals. I did. Jamari Clark um, could be a good player, though. We just don't know, do we? So, yeah. Yeah, I, he's it, that. That's an odd one. How he phased out through the season, you know, like after that, and you know, you you were thinking, like, because the two goals he scored were very good. You know, they were proper centre forwards goal. I think one was a cracking header. The other was mm. great movement in the box. You know, they were proper strikers goals. And it's the first time we'd kind of seen Reading come back from behind you know because again that that's the thing that we've seen over the last few years you know and that that Birmingham match it was like well because again run of four run of four defeats we go behind and then we come back late on in that game it was very out of the blue but 
the signing of Andy Carroll, like you say, it, it, it was such a such an odd one out of the blue. You never really expect to see a player like that play at Reading and all the stories around why he was coming to Reading, you know, or not why he was coming to Reading, but the wages that he was on, you know, reported that you know, he was literally almost playing for pretty much nothing, whether or not that's true or not, you know, only he would know that. But, well, I say nothing, not nothing to <laughs> most people, but like in, 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 in respect to him. And, but yeah, it's, you look at that kind of player and then like, like you say that, that game against Swansea, it was just fun. It was fun. Like, I mean, scoring early, what you did, did they, no, no, we scored first, didn't we? And then yes. they scored, equalised yeah. straight away. Then we scored again and then, then they equalised straight away. Or Yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was yeah, a we bonkers got it game. Three, three straight after that. It was, it was goal after goal and it was a fantastic kind of like, one of those moments was actually enjoyable with Reading this season, Simon, because there hasn't been many at all. And to actually come out of it showing some fight was like, oh, hang on. Maybe we can turn this around under Panovic. Yeah, uh, it's a game that I think Panovic would have actually enjoyed as well because Swansea, well renowned for playing good football, Panovic obviously wanted to play good football as well. So it was actually sort of like you go, we go, you go, we go sort of thing, and and hence the sort of two and the throwing of the goals. So the fact that it was a footballing side versus what. Panovic wanted to be a football inside. It was uh, it w- would have actually been a good game, but the fact that big Andy Carroll pops up with a couple is uh, a little bit different to what probably Reading fans have been used to in uh, in recent years. And probably one of the best things as well was I'd, I I don't know if you ever saw the video after Simon, but there was a video of a uh, of a Swansea fan getting rather irate at Andy Carroll's <laughs> goal and celebration. One of the I, the I watched it on repeat. I'm I'm not afraid to say that I watched it on repeat. It was a brilliant, brilliant moment to watch. It and, is, uh, it's fantastic. He's just sat there in the stands, and uh, he goes, "Oh, it's that fucking Andy Carroll again." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he always scores against us. <laughs> You know, we've all been there. You see it and you just think, you must have that as a player sometimes, uh, Simon. You must think you're playing against someone and you know they're going to score against you. You just think, please don't do it today. Yeah, you have it as a player. You have your favourite teams that you, you you know, no matter what you do the night before or the the time leading up to it, you know you have that feeling of, you know, I'm going to score today or that person's going to score against us today or you know, whatever way it's going to be. So um, you do have those. And obviously Andy Carroll is one of his is Swansea. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love these uh, crazy videos. Um, just after that, we get pick up a one-all against Hull City, which <clears throat> was an error from Leap Southward for the goal. But hopefully he'll come back next season. He'll come back stronger for all the situations he's been from the experiences he's been through as well. We lose one nil at West Brom, but then we have the COVID outbreak and then we don't have a period of games. The COVID world must have been very strange for footballers, uh, Simon, in the industry that you've been as well, because you've been at Billericay as well. Um, how, how's that been? Because it's been for two years now. Yeah, it's difficult because um, you have to follow protocol. You, you know, you have to make sure that people's health and family health and everything else takes priority over what is basically uh, a, a kickabout, um, you know, as much as we all take it very, very seriously, health and, and welfare come way above everything else. So um, you have to take all of it into, into consideration. Having a break um, throughout the season in terms of 
not playing for two, three weeks or so can be very, very disruptive. Um, depends on how often you're able to train and how many people are able to train at that period of time. If you can get over any sort of tactical element, making sure the lads are still doing their fitness work and getting out and doing some sort of work, um, doing some running or some weights and stuff like that. Depends on where people live. Some people live in apartments, might not have that sort of um, availability to them. Some obviously live in houses. Some, you know, you just don't know what, what people's situations are. So it can be very disruptive, but you have to take, um, like I say, welfare and health over over everything. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, this is a bit of a warning here. We're now going to approach January for Redden Football Club. This is one of the worst months you could possibly have experienced as a Reading fan, player, owner. I don't know what your situation would be. It was absolutely horrific. Um, I'm just going to string off the results here and then we can go into a group therapy situation. Um, two all with Derby, 2-0 up, but I think five minutes to go. Kidderminster Harriers, okay, they're a little bit lower in the pyramid than us. You get surprises in the FA Cup. You're always going to get that. But they beat us 2-1 and they deserve to beat us. Then we suffered our worst ever home defeat in Football League history against Fulham, 7-0. Millsborough away. We lose in the last minute after winning for most of the game. Then we lose to Luton. Then we have a 150th anniversary match. We lose 4-3 against Huddersfield, and then we top it off with a 4-0 defeat against Queen's Park Rangers. Simon, it's <laughs> been a classic, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I actually, uh, I don't know, for some mad reason, I didn't fancy Reading against Kidderminster either. Mm. I just thought it was one of those horrible, horrible results that you could see coming. The club in a bit of a bad place, Results not going their way, going to a, a team and a club that the stadium's right on top of your fans, right on top of your atmosphere, a little bit hostile. If if they can keep it to a sort of um, level playing field for a certain amount of time, and then all of a sudden you just never know what can happen. If that game was at Reading, I would expect Reading to win nine times out of ten. The fact that it was there, I just sort of... I didn't. I don't know. With with everything that was going on with the manager and and the way that this the the whole um, the players were feeling the the it just wasn't. Uh, it didn't look like a game. I, I sort of fancied Reading to win. You could feel it. It had all the kind of like yeah. cocktail, didn't it, of a, a possible upset. And what made it even weirder though, Sam, is that we took the lead. Normally, yeah. those scenarios is kind of like the, the team that's um, lower down the pyramid getting a little bit of something to hold on to. But we did it even the better way for Reading FC. Let's make it even more of a worse defeat. It's kind of like, I don't know how we've done it. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think I just think that like even at one nil, if you don't then go and follow it up with two and three straight away after um, one nil, again similar thing. It's still. For for Kidderminster, that's still quite level playing field for them. You know, they're not they're not being disgraced by anybody. They're not you know not being bullied, or overrun, or anything else like that. All of a sudden, you you let them sort of back into the game last sort of ten fifteen minutes, and then they score, and then all of a sudden the crowd is up, and then they go on and score really late on. So 
it just uh yeah i mean like i say if if redden had gone and scored the first one then followed it up with two and three then all of a sudden you'd be sat there going oh it's, it's a pretty comfortable day at the office but because it went one and then that one never followed up with a second or a third it then still gave Kidderminster a lot of a lot of hope Matt, you wrapped quite a few of these games. Which one of them was the most terrific for you to endure? Because they have some real. What a question! What a question! Um, well, I wasn't. I wasn't actually at Kidderminster because again, Kidderminster. Well, Derby and Kidderminster. I was lucky with the COVID break because I, I had glandular fever all of December and start of start of um, January. So I missed that, and I missed Kidderminster. And I thought, oh yeah, if if there's a game to miss, it was Kidderminster. How wrong? How wrong was I? Um, I mean, I just borough, borough away. That was just depressing. Seven nil though. Fulham seven nil was bad, but I mean QPR away was bad as well because, like, I mean, I like I I'd, I've never been like again like I, I guess we, we we've talked about this before, but you, you know, Kidderminster happened. You thought, well, Derby happened. You thought that's bad. Kidderminster happen, he thinks it can't get worse than Kidderminster. Fulham happens, you think, well, that's the worst of the worst. Borough then happens, you think, oh, how are Reading going to top this? QPR happens, and you think, Jesus Christ, like seriously. <laughs> I mean, and I had that weird thing of not being at football for about a month, and I was like, I really want to go to games. And poor Alex, I was saying to him every week, like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Like, and um, yeah, I think I've, I've, I think I've driven him insane the last year. Um, <laughs> pulling him to away games but um <laughs> i think you have um, pushed him over the edge actually to be yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah poor yeah poor alex he, he's he's not not um he's he's got a bit of the blues at the moment i think <laughs> but i've got to say um, it's to kind of just look at those combination of features i remember at the beginning of the um, beginning of january panama said january's going to be really really bad and let's be honest, he was absolutely he was right. spot on. He, he, he was. was not lying to us, Simon, was he? As a manager, as a fan, that's all you can ask, isn't it? It's complete honesty. Yeah, that, that is true, but you don't want him to be that honest. If, if, no. if you're a player, though, in that situation, and, and you, you, your manager has come out, you know that you're in a bad situation at the start of a month because, again, injuries were... Uh, we had an injury list beyond belief at that point. You know, we, we, we were literally... Laurent was playing at centre back a lot of the time. You know, you had Tetek sometimes playing right back, Bristow playing left back. You know, if you're a player in that team and your managers come out after the loss at Kidderminster saying that, that can't motivate you as a player, surely. Or what's it kind of like? Well, no, it doesn't. But I think there's not a lot that he would have been able to say that would have been able to motivate you. It was, it, that's got to come from internal that's that's you yourself looking yourself in the mirror looking each other square in the face and saying lads that was not good that um we need to sort of get get ourselves together then obviously you follow that up with a seven nil slapping um and you know it just uh you then well again like i say there must have been an inquest in in the dressing room after the game there has to have been um you can't lose seven nil and expect people to walk home or walk back to their cars and, and go in their cars and go home and and expect to think that they've done okay. That's just not that's just not possible. Then all of a sudden you think, oh, there's a bit of a reaction there in terms of the going one nil up at Borough. And then all of a sudden you think, oh God, you know, losing right at the end as well. So that's 
the Middlesbrough game actually probably saw the reaction that you were looking for, but, but just not the end. Not the right at the end. You know, again, it's sort of going back to the early part of the season, holding on to that lead and then all, all of a sudden losing the leads again. So there was just that soft underbelly at, at the club running throughout the whole season. And that was the, the big issue for, for the football club, more so through January, where a lot of a lot of goals went in. And that was actually, it wasn't to the detriment of the football club, funnily enough. Yeah, which is absolutely crazy, isn't it? How we managed to get away with such an absolutely horrific period. I mean, one thing I will say for Panovic during that time is we had so many players out, which Matt mentioned. We had also had Bagaraman at the AFCOM. We had Annie Eden there as well. We were playing the academy, a lot of academy players in that Fulham game. So I felt sorry for those players because they were thrown into it. They were playing at a level that they shouldn't really have been kind of experiencing. And Fulham, as they've shown, will ban seven goals past teams. We were not the only team that suffered yeah. that this season. No, I remember I remember being put in not in that situation, but we we had the FA Cup semi final coming up and and we end up going to uh Watford. Steve Clark they put a, a very much a second string side out and it was basically see how you get on lads. Um you know still some senior players in there players who have played a lot of games of football but lads also who making debuts and young lads play I mean at the time I think it was Dini, Forestieri and Vidra the front three and it was just a an animal of a team of Watford but we we obviously had our main focus which was um the FA Cup semi-final um and we just got sent out like that as well so I'd imagine the the lads who played in the Fulham game some of them probably wouldn't have taken it overly too hard. Some of them would have taken it really, really difficult um, because nobody wants to get beat seven anywhere in any league at all. But if it's your first game, you sort of go, I don't think you can get too, too much worse than that. <laughs> I guess that is one way of looking at it. You just think, well, I mean, I don't think I'm going to get an eight nil. <laughs> so it's kind of like, it's going to be okay. The situation then progressed into February. And now we're really getting towards the end of Panovic's reign at Redden Football Club. We have a nil-nil at Peterborough. You know, this is kind of the climax. There was issues with the coach leaving, fans protesting in the ground. We obviously had the protesting in January as well before the match. We had fans going onto the pitch during January as well. The, The situation at the club's getting really out of control here because the news off the pitch... And the lack of kind of direction that we had was having more impact than on the pitch, Simon. As a player, yeah. does that affect you or is that kind of, we just let that noise continue, we just continue on the pitch? I think I think majority of players would have understood um, that the manager's tenure was, you know, coming to an end. It was, he was one result away from, from leaving the club or possibly had left the club before that game. Um so there was always a, I think when you're a senior player and you've been in football a long time, you know when the manager's not possibly going to be at your football club, unless he's brutally honest and he comes in the dressing room and says, listen, lads, and I've seen it. Um, listen, I'm not going to be here now. This is my last game. I just want you to go out and enjoy your football, go and, and showcase everybody, because it was live on Sky as well. Um, so go and show everybody that you're a good team, you're a good player, go and showcase why we can get out of the situation we're in. Obviously, it was a nil-nil 
and it was actually a really bad it was a bad day i think mm. the it was horrible conditions and everything else and um but with everything that was going on behind the scenes and and i remember seeing the coach pull away and and see all the supporters being surrounding the bus and i think who was the player was it Andy, Andy yeah, yeah was talking up. to fans and stuff so sometimes you need that you know I wouldn't necessarily say that he's a senior player but he's obviously got a decent voice in him um, that he's able to front up and and I respect that because I think and I think fans will respect that as well because the last thing you want as a fan is to see people get on the bus and and look like they don't care. Whereas if you've got somebody who can stand up and and take the brunt of criticism, which ultimately was always going to come their way as players. Um, I don't think it was necessarily at the players. I think it was a lot to do with behind the scenes and the manager and stuff like that, as well as the players, but not, not fully straight at the players. So, um, but it was nice to see somebody stand up and take the brunt of it for everybody else as well, which is which is credit to him. Yeah, totally, Andy, and obviously who's gone on to be voted up player of the season as well, which people can say John Swift, people can say Andy Eden. It's what's happened, hasn't it? People voted for his uh, situation. Um, then we have a very, very typical for this season. We managed to win 3-2 at Preston. And then only maybe 20 minutes after the full-time whistle's gone, Paul Ince is announced, Matt. Um, your initial reaction on the timing and everything on that, because I remember Joan Carachan, who was on Radio Berkshire at that time, but then coming on our podcast the next day, just could not work it out at all. He was totally bamboozled by the whole situation. I think that's how most people probably felt about it. Well, yeah, like I think, I, I think as as fans, like because we'd all heard the rumours that had preceded that preceded the game in the previous weeks as well that Paunovic had tried to resign, and the owners had said no, you're 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 staying here, you know, and 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 I think we won't let you leave. We, you cannot leave ever. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it it was the most baffling situation, and that was what obviously drove so much frustration at Peterborough within the fans. Again, it spilled onto the players because they're almost just the that they were the ones that were there, you know, they were the ones that as, 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 as bad as it sounds, you know, fans were able to throw stick at, you know, but fans needed answers at that point because there was so many rumors going around. Pauno wants to resign, hasn't resigned, you know, that, that, that there was, there was stuff about, about what, what the owner was wanting to do. And like that he's just using it for a punching bag, essentially, you know, just to take the flack off him, you know, and people were just, fans were just so fed up with it. And obviously they're, they'd accepted his resignation, you know, on the Friday, I think they said in their statement, you know, the Friday morning, they accepted the resignation. Um, Preston would be his last game. The, so I don't think people were baffled by the resignation of Paunovic because I think people thought it's just like he needed to go for his own sanity because as a manager, there is no one that really should have been subject to what Paunovic was subject to in the last, you know, two three weeks of his tenure because realistically he should have the owner should have just cut it off at some point either by accepting his resignation or by as again bad as it sounds by sacking him you know because uh, it just got to such a toxic point the weird bit came with the final line of or the final two lines of the statement where it announced Paul Lintz and Michael Jilks 
as interim or no it was Michael Jilkson wasn't it wasn't it father of Tom Ince Paulie <laughs> as interim coach and it, it, it was the most baffling because again I I like I I'd read it and I think I, I think in our group chat um I can't remember who it was it might have even been Dave that said it I think like and like was like Paul Ince and I was like where where does where's it said that Paul Ince has taken over it was like in the bottom I was like sorry <laughs> it, it was it was just the most weird end to a statement and the way they phrased it father of Tom Ince Paul Ince's taking interim charge and the fact that it was him and Jilksy and it, again you just never got the clarity there and it was just more of this kind of blase blah 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 kind of statements that we'd seen from Reading over this season that had come out and you were just thinking what is going on you know just what 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 what's happening here you know, you don't bring in someone out externally for an interim job. You know, he's going to be here till the end of the season. Most players need, but in the statement, it said, "Oh, we'll start diligent search," which you know, never really materialised, as we know. But yeah, it was just weird. Search was very short, wasn't it, Matt? Let's be honest. It was. Well, it was non-existent. Yeah, we looked, oh, we got one here. We found one straight away within um, twenty minutes. <laughs> just happens to be allegedly uh, Keir. Jared um, Klein. I don't know how these things happen, Simon, but it seems to happen quite a lot of Reading Football Club. Yeah. What was your kind of like reaction when you heard that Paul Ince was going to be the manager? Because I know I was thinking, where the hell did this come from? I had to Google the last time he'd managed. I mean, as a player, world-class player, there's no doubt on that. Yeah, I, I think I was the same as Matt. When I read the, the statement, I was like... Um, trying to figure out when he last managed and he was out of the job for eight and a half years and then I you know started talking to a lot of people and and I was the same as you Paul I, I spoke with Jem because I knew he was on the um I was on the co-commentary for Radio Berkshire and I was just and he he messaged me after the game he said mate Paul Ince has got the job and I was like you winded me up I said I don't even know I didn't even know Paul Ince was still a manager let alone be like available for a job um how I mean, he would have been so far down in betting odds, like would have been scary. Um, would have been given odds for, for, for no, no, the job, no. you? would have had to phone the bookie, and the bookie would have said, "Who do you want?" And he, you would have said, "Paul Ince," and he was like, "Well, you obviously know something that everyone else doesn't." <laughs> yes, exactly. So, <laughs> so yeah, we'll give you two to one, but like, you know, it just wasn't going to be feasible. But um, I mean, I I was quite vocal. I got. I was yeah very vocal on on him being appointed. I didn't see the, I didn't see why, how or for what reason was he then the best candidate to be um, to be the next manager. Well, um, t- technically, he's still not been named as manager, has he? I think he's still down as interim boss at the moment because it, it was it, like that. That's the weird thing about it. He's still he's still interim boss. Like that, that there was no time scale put on it. You know, well, this is technically it's still him and Jilks because yeah, I was baffling i think this is the problem with the football club having somebody like kia who has a really big influence at the football club this is a problem where you don't have somebody running the football club who has a lot of football experience of running a football club you know so the the length of the statement the wording in the statement you know even going back to sort of the peterborough game talking to the fans like there's no there's no direction there was no somebody coming out and saying 
we understand the frustrations of the fans. We understand, which, you know, we're going to try and put it right, blah, 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 that sort of thing. And make sure that ultimately you're not kicking up too much of a fuss. And then all of a sudden, if it is getting rid of Paolo, which obviously inevitably they did, you don't 20 minutes later then all of a sudden say that one of our lads is dad's the new manager. It's uh, which is basically what they said. He said, Oh, we we phoned Tom, said, Is your dad available? And he said, Yeah. And uh, uh do, do, do you fancy the job? Um, you know, like so that that just sort of it made no sense to me. Um, so I was a little bit irate with with the fact that he got the job. Yeah, because I remember Jem said on our podcast uh, that was the day after that, he said that um, his first reaction would have been to look over at Tom Hens and go. So, do you know about this, Tom? What's happened? What conversations? What, what's going on there? Yeah. Such a weird world of um, uh, the football world. Sometimes you just you think you can't be surprised by anything, and then bang, you get hit by something. You think I've no idea where that has come from. That was mm-hmm. that was an insane moment. But Tom, in to his credit, I think is actually we'd want him back next season, Matt. Um, I wasn't like totally convinced at first. He didn't have some great games at all. And I said that, but he's been pretty good for the last couple of months. It's It's been a strange one, hasn't it? Because I think, again, like at, at the start of his time here, obviously his dad came in about a week and a half after he actually signed on loan. And I guess he took probably quite a lot of fans stick that was aimed again the, at, at the owner, Kia, you know, the appointment, everything around it. He took, he bore a lot of the brunt because, again, there was a lot of fans that were like, oh, sub your son off. You know, you're only playing because your dad's here. And to his credit, it, it, like I've, I can say this pretty much hand on heart that I've, I, I don't think I've seen a lone player that's actually put more into games that Tom Ince has done. You know, I, like, I, I remember at the, the Cardiff game that, that we lost, he was absolutely... Oh, he, he, he was furious after we scored or after we conceded the second goal, you know, and ultimately lost that game. But the amount he ran, like the, he, he, he almost became an on-pitch leader in six months, you know, and yes, he, his end product was a bit questioned, you know, he was, uh, he wasn't the calmest finishing, you know, but effort levels and kind of commitment to the cause, uh, you can only really take, take your hat off to him because again, he's probably had a very weird a difficult time really in his six months at Reading but you can only credit kind of what he's put in and yeah I'd he'd probably be one of the first that I'd be looking to get back next season from this squad yeah totally um there's a lot of them I'd want to get back and some of them you're just going to move on you aren't you it's the situation of football he scores a critical goal against Bournemouth away gets us a point there then we have our goal of the season against Blackburn Rovers from Josh Lauren he's another player we'd love to keep Simon for next season but I'm not sure I think he's going to have some better offers possibly possibly but I think he's again this is where like my my thoughts are about the summer coming up is that the people like Josh who have played in lower a lower league you know, I think he was at Shrewsbury. I think I played against him a couple of times. And um, but he's the type of person that stepped up to the plate. He's uh, someone who had something to prove. Felt that he had a chance of being um, in a team where he would thrive. He would. He, he was really hard working. Listen, his goals incredible. You know, it really is. It's a great finish. I mean, I don't even know how you get that swerve, dip, and and power into the strike. So, but credit to him and. I think sometimes some Reading fans would be a little bit critical in terms of saying, well, why would you let him leave? But 
if he's got better football clubs and he's going to probably be challenging at the, the top end of the league, then would you blame him from le- for leaving? I don't think many football fans would do, really. No, uh, definitely not. It's a situation. It's, you've got to look after yourself above everything, haven't you? It's, you have to be selfish in some ways, I suspect, because your career can change at any moment, couldn't it? Yeah, it can. But I think ultimately, I mean, it, again, it would depend on where he goes, you know, if if he goes, obviously. So let's say, for instance, I don't know, if Watford came in for him, like coming down from the Premier League, mm-hmm. if Watford came in for him, is he going to be one of about five or six midfield players? Does he really look at the Watford squad and go, yeah, no, it'd be nice to be part of that squad. Probably going to challenge for the for the title. Going to probably be in the Premier League in, in a season and a bit. Um, but am I going to play that often? If he believes in himself and he wants to go and play and try and get himself into the squad, yeah, absolutely take the chance. But if he looks at it and says... I don't know if I'm going to play that often. They're they're a big club. They're going to bring in loads of players. I'm just going to be one of, you know, a certain amount of players coming through the door. Then he's probably better off staying maybe for another six months and then leaving in January, if that was maybe an offer that he, uh, that if he had to decide on. Yeah, totally. Here's another player that will definitely be here next season. That is Tom McIntyre. And when we fast forward into April, we have Tom McIntyre time. We're basically, he just scores two critical goals for us. He comes into his own. He's a man who's from Reading, like yourself, Simon. He he loves the ding. He absolutely loves them. Um, and most importantly, though, he's becoming a proper championship player. It's not just because he's a Reading fan. It's because, actually, he should be on the pitch. Yeah, and I think the one thing about him, though, is that he, you can see that he's got that drive to be the person that people look to. Um, he has that. It's it's very difficult to, when you're from a, a certain place in the country or, or somewhere and you've played at a better level or whatever it is to try and have that drive. And he has that because he's been a, a lad who's come through the system. He's, he's seen it. He's seen the, the people that have done it before him and, he, and he's probably looked at it. I remember seeing a photo of him being at the, Playoff final, I think it was when he had his shirt off. I think. Uh, no, I think that was two thousand and five. Yeah, two thousand and five at Leicester away. Yeah, uh, oh, there you go. So yeah, so I've been seeing been, yeah. seen that. But that—that's the yeah. sort of thing that would have inspired him. Um, seeing the likes of Inga Marson and Sonko and, and people like that who took it on themselves to to be that that type of person. And he listen, he's grown in stature, but I mean, nobody expected him to pop up with goals. But the fact that he can pop up with a a few goals is a is always a good thing to to have in your armory. Yeah, totally. Two quality finishes, Matt, as well, weren't they? The first one, uh, Sheffield United, a obviously monumental goal, and then the absolutely insane game against Swansea City when you're four one down, and then you get a draw. I mean, how amazing that! And Swansea fans singing about Wembley at four two, and they don't win. I mean, that's a sweet moment as well, isn't it? <laughs> oh my god! That like I, I, very few goals has given me more pleasure than than that Swansea game. I mean, as a fan, I mean, I think uh, my poor ticker. I mean, it, it's 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 had its trials and tribulations in in my life, but I, that pushed it quite close to the end. That Swansea game, because right, like I've I've just never felt a feeling like that. At the well, I, 
I have because of obviously previous, but not in a long time. Like, you know, just watching that and the way the way the team came back, like you say, the Swansea fans gloating over at 4-1. Oh, you know, we, we, we've seen this seen this scoreline before, singing about Wembley, and you just think, fuck off. Like, <laughs> get out of here. Seriously. <laughs> like, just, I, 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 yeah, I like, I was done at that point. I was just like, just go away. Just, uh, yeah. But, then to come back from that and yeah it was well it wasn't a win it, you know it didn't win us a title it didn't it didn't really even keep us up you know but it, it was just after after the game on good friday and you kind of saw you did see something under the the ints regime of just a bit more bit more tenacity a bit more a bit more effort a bit more commitment you know getting getting a bit more out of the players and just seeing a bit more connection, and maybe that connection just came from from those goals from Tom McIntyre being local boy, born and bred, and what have you. But you started to see something, and you you had moments between the fans and the players. You know, after the Swansea game, I mean, the Medeski was rocking for you know five minutes after the game, you know, and and you had Tom McIntyre at the front leading chance and stuff, you, you know, and it, it was like I say, it it, it didn't realistically when you look at it it didn't win us anything but it was just a moment where you just looked at and you thought there's 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 still hope in this team there's there's certain parts in this team where if you can keep the core together if you can keep the likes of you know Tom McIntyre Holmes and that that are born and bred you know die for the shirt if you can keep those players in and around there's a structure there that, that there's something there that you can look at and try and mold going forwards yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I'm going to gloss over the last game of the season because um, uh, nobody wants to talk about the Nyland uh, clang here again. And least of all him, I suspect that's probably going to be that all summer for him now, just thinking about that one moment. It was the weird but thing, though, because it, it just went a bit flat after that Swansea game, didn't it? Because like that, that Swansea game, actually, well, I guess we, we relegated Derby on that day as well. But then uh, the way the way we stayed up, it was just so anticlimactic. I said it at the time, it kind of reminded me of the the season and it was Clark's first season actually when we stayed up at Rotherham you know when it was 2-1 and I think it was a penultimate game and it was like oh well we've lost but we've stayed up and oh it was yeah it, 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 it was all a bit like like it's just yeah but yeah quite a lot of the Steve Clark rain there though Simon it's a kind of um uh... <laughs> a tricky era once what would be fair to say do you think yeah, a little bit. Um, listen, I'm not, I'm not his biggest fan, so uh, so you're probably asking the wrong person. But um, <laughs> nah, listen, I think ultimately he's he's a good coach, but he's not not the type of person for me. So uh, so the less said, the better, I think. Yeah, these things happen, doesn't it? It's, it's sometimes it just doesn't quite mix together. Does it? So um, uh, we've stayed up, and that is all that ultimately matters. We look forward. We hope for better situations next season, and we hope for like miracles in the transfer market. Whether that's going to happen or not, we don't know. We just have to wait and see. So thanks a lot for joining us, Matt and Simon. Uh, really appreciate your time and. Just thanks for listening. If you've suffered all these podcasts throughout the season, wow, you deserve a medal. You really do. I don't know why you've done it, but I love you all. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>